Psalm 69 is a prayer for when you feel like the whole world has turned against you. David draws a graphic picture of being near drowning. The waters have reached up to his neck and he's treading water. And not only that, it's a mire that keeps sucking him down further and further the more he struggles against it. And David's losing hope. He's been crying out for so long that his throat is hoarse and he's starting to fade in and out of consciousness as he waits for God. And this is all how David feels when looking at his enemies. There are so many of them that he's literally drowning in them. They're on the offense and for no other reason than their hatred of David. And David can't understand why he needs to suffer so much. He says to God, he didn't steal anything, so does he have to repay? Is he being held accountable for something he never did? And so he looks to God and admits that he does have sin. But God should know that he's not responsible for anything that warrants this kind of attack. In fact, David can only look back and see how faithful he's been to God. It's for God's sake that he's been suffering. It's zeal for God's house that David is insulted. But when people see David in his fasting and prayer, they only think he's cursed by God, or even worse, that God is too weak to save him. Rather than serving as an example for the faithful, David's become the subject of drunken songs. Yet despite all the urgency in David's plea, Despite the overwhelming flood and countless enemies, David can say in verse 13 that as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord. At an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. By all indications, it sounds like David's running out of time. But David looks to God and says, I trust that you will act in your own time, by your own grace and not by anything else. David is showing not only his faith, but his patience. So often, we can encounter a problem, and we expect God to deliver us and to deliver us now. And we're so unaccustomed to any kind of discomfort that when God allows us to suffer for any period of time, we assume that he's blind to our predicament, deaf to our cry, or powerless against our enemy. David never doubts God's steadfast love, though. He trusts that it will come at an acceptable time. And instead of running from God, David sits still, even in the midst of a raging flood. Now, in verses 21 through 28, we read a bit more of David's enemies and what he hopes God will do with them. He says that he was given poison for food. And and this isn't just a normal word for food. It's a Hebrew word with a bit more nuance. It's food specifically given to the sick so that they recover. So we see that David is likely powerless on his bed. And the only ones visiting him are secretly trying to kill him. So David prays for a multitude of curses on his enemies. Let them be caught in their own trap. Let them be blinded. Let them be terrified. Let them be completely destroyed by God. Because they love kicking David when he's down, and he wants justice. David continues to ask for God's deliverance, and with promises of praising God and boasting about his strength. And he says in verse 31 that this will please the Lord more than an ox or a bull with horns and hoofs. That's something that we need to take to heart. When God answers our prayers, we need to be thankful for them. We need to tell people about it, because that's what God loves. Instead of sacrifices and offerings, God wants us to recognize his hand in our lives. When he does something incredible for you, thank him. When he saves you from your enemies, tell people about it. Don't keep quiet about it, because it's not just for God that David says these things. But in verse 32, when the humble see it, they'll be glad. You who seek God, let your hearts revive. You know, it's always encouraging to reflect on what God has done for you. And you can share that encouragement and bolster the faith of others who trust in God when they're sinking in their own floods. 
if only we took the time to share those answered prayers. That's the encouragement that we get when we read about Jesus' life. There are many parts of this psalm that Jesus quotes about himself or obviously messianic in nature. For example, the disciples understood that verse 9 was about Jesus, as in John 2.17. Jesus on the cross was given sour wine or gall, as in verse 21. And all of Jesus' dedication to God, as we see in verses 10 through 13, was mocked by his enemies. But we can take comfort from this psalm when we're reminded of the life that Jesus led and that even though he suffered, was left alone, and died on the cross, God still came to his rescue on the third day through the resurrection. He came at the acceptable time. So as we wait for God in his time, we need to be prepared that this time might not even occur in our lifetime. But the vindication that he brings to his people will even save us from death itself. <laughs>